favorite thriller. Presented by The Thriller Fiction Podcast. Jim Heskett talks to thriller authors about their favorite thriller books. And now, here's your host. Hey, I'm talking today with AC Fuller. AC, how you doing, man? Very well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'll go ahead and read a little bit of your bio. Bio. Let me say that right before we jump into uh, jump into our interview. Once a journalist in New York, A.C. Fuller now writes fiction at the intersection of media, politics, and technology. Before he began writing full-time, he was an adjunct professor of journalism at NYU and an English teacher at Northwest Indian College. In addition to NYU, A.C. has taught writing for the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, the Write in the Harbor Conference, the Royal City Literary Arts Society, the Bainbridge Artisan Resource Network, and many local libraries. He lives with his wife, two children, and two dogs near Seattle. AC, my first. Is that old? No, no, I gotta trim it. It's long. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, on your own podcast. That's all right. Uh, But my first question is: the Bainbridge Artisan Resource Network is that called the Barn? Because if it's not, they missed out. Okay. It is. Yep, it's called the Barn. But I thought it would be weird in my bio to say that I taught writing at the barn. Yeah, but I hear yes, you. The official name is Barn. I don't <laughs> even think it's the barn. It's just Barn. Just Barn. All caps. So tell us a little bit about you and your writing. What's not in your bio? Uh, what's not in my bio? Let's see. So I, mean, I think the key phrase in my bio is novels at the intersection of media, politics, and technology. And those are really my interests. I, I write thrillers. Um, I write fiction. And my interests started off in media journalism, how journalism works, how the current media works, how that is changing with social media and really has totally changed now. When I started writing, it was uh, just about to totally change. And now that's happened. So those are my passions, politics, media and the way technology is affecting them and changing them. And so really all my stories have some element of that in them. And I have two main series, one of which uh, is about a journalist uh, who's solving crimes and always getting wrapped up in murders and crimes and conspiracies. That's those are the Alex Vane media thrillers. And then I've got another series called A Meritocracy, which is about a woman who is trying to sort of upend democracy using technology. And so there's not a lot that isn't my bio because those are the things I think about all the time. Um, although the, I am writing a book uh, that's set in the paleontology world that's an, a thriller also. That's a little bit different for me. Um, something I may have to change my bio to fix because it, it's not really about politics, media, or technology, that one. Mm. But that one's away from being done. Interesting. So my first question and probably the most important question of the show, would you rather fight – a horse-sized duck or, let's say, 20 duck-sized horses? A horse-sized duck or 20 duck-sized horses? I would say probably a horse-sized duck. Um, 20 horses the size of a duck sounds kind of scary to me. I think they could trample me. I think I might be able to outrun a duck if it was horse-sized. I don't Mm. think ducks... I guess if it could still, it could it fly, that would be dangerous. I'm still going to go with the horse-sized duck. I, okay. I, I like little things trampling me, and 20 little horses sounds scary. Yeah, you think I, they probably, if you got 20 of them, they're going to start, like, stacking on top of each other, probably, and then it, you're in real trouble. Yeah, and one giant duck, it just sounds, kind of reminds me of Big Bird. It just doesn't have the same visceral kind of, I got to get out of here vibe. And yeah. I think I could probably outrun 
that duck. Totally. So I, Fair I'm point. not sure. Though. Neither one sounds good. I'm not especially tough, so. Tell you what, if you want, you can process that for a few minutes, and we can circle back to it. If uh, and, and we could just make the whole interview about that and keep going, keep do a deep dive on it, do ninety minutes on that question. We could, but we should probably <laughs> talk about what we're actually here to talk about today. So the show is your favorite thriller, and um, so I asked my guests to to think about their. I have thriller authors come on to talk about their favorite thriller book, and when I put this question to you. You couldn't tell me what your favorite thriller of all time was, um, yes. but you did say your favorite thriller of this year is Delta V by Daniel Suarez. You want to tell yeah. us a little bit about that book? I do. Yes, yeah. so I was just saying my my favorite thriller changes by the year. You know, one one year I'll read a ton of Lee Child books, and then you know, last year I read a ton of Michael Connelly books, and those I guess there's they're individual books, but they all kind of run together to me, and it's one big story with 20 books to it. But right now here, I'll show you this. I think your readers. Your viewers will be able to see that. The people listening on the podcast won't. That's the cover. This book is a near-future sci-fi thriller, and I don't write sci-fi, and I don't read a lot of sci-fi, but this is a kind of sci-fi that is right up my alley because it's near-future, and it's about politics, technology, and space ex exploration. So it's about a small team that goes to mine asteroids and send the resources back to Earth uh, in order to take the next step toward moving into space. And it's set in the 2030s. And the reason I loved this book is that it is, it's a little slower than your typical thriller. There's not a lot of chase scenes down dark alleys. There's not a lot of murders, but it's paced like a kind of a slow, it has a lot of tension to it and because it's the first trip into space on this particular type of ship and there's a lot of stakes which i won't get into that raise uh throughout the course of the story relationships that are threatened um people back on earth who are threatened but i loved it because it is very realistic it's written like it could just be a story of what happens in 2030 or 2035 if guys like elon musk keep coming and keep developing with uh, private space expo exploration. So the reason I loved it, it, it was just felt fairly realistic, even though it was sci-fi. It's not full of monsters and lightsaber battles and stuff. Nothing against that. It's just, that's not what I typically read, but it um, is very science-based at the same time. Yeah. I like um, one of my favorite authors is Max Berry and he writes, he's written a couple of books that are sort of thrillers, sort of realistic sci-fi thrillers. Um, right. Like, I think Machine Man was one of his books. Have you read that one? I haven't read that. But t tell me about it, because I love books like that. It's basically about a guy who um, loses his limbs, loses either his arms or his li I can't remember which he loses first, but he he loses a limb, and he's um he's an engineer, and he has replaces it with a machine. And basically, uh -huh. the, the plot of the book is he becomes addicted to having cybernetic parts, and so he ends up chopping okay. off other limbs to right. basically become a machine man. And it's that it's a thriller, cool. but it's kind of it's it's pretty realistic. The the science a lot of the science of it sounds very plausible. Yeah, I like stuff that just makes me think about our current world, and if and if sci-fi does that, that's that uh, does a lot for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is set in the 2030s. That's not very far away. Probably this exact thing won't happen, but stuff like this is coming into our world. And asteroid mining is something that is 
um, while not about to happen, probably might happen in the future, or at least people are exploring it. And so it's an interesting, it was an interesting concept for me and something a little bit different. Can you tell us a little, a little bit about the, the main character, the protagonist and what makes that person compelling? Yeah. So the main character in this, it's interesting. I actually found a lot of the side characters to be the most compelling in this story. It's kind of about, there is one main character, but it's not driven by him in the same way a lot of thrillers are. It's really about a gang of six or eight people who all go through this long process to end up on this ship that's in deep space. And they're all compelling because they just all have unique stories about why they would want to be on this dangerous mission in space. The main character is kind of a loner, no family um, guy without a ton to lose. Honestly, he's not even, he's really not the most compelling figure. I think the, the antagonist villain is the most compelling figure in this book. Uh, and I know that's something that was on your list of potential questions. He's just someone who, if you follow what some of the space ex exploration billionaires are doing these days, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and the others who are talking about private space exploration, he seems to be based on them. And mm. he's really the driving force of this book. And he's not a typical villain. You know, he's not out there drowning puppies or anything like that. <laughs> it's more, uh, you know, he's villainous in a different way than you would see in a lot of thrillers. He's not a sadistic murderer or, murderer or anything like that. He's got much bigger ambitions than just a murder or two. So is it more like an ensemble kind of piece where every every character gets their own moment to shine? Yeah. When they're on the ship, there's, you know, I would say, maybe five or six characters who each have unique roles. And it's set in the future and they've got people from all around the world men and women you know on this ship who all have important roles and yeah it's kind of interesting the main character it's not like you know so i talked about the uh, michael Connolly books the harry bosch series which a lot of people are talking about these days because they are because of the television show that's doing so well you know that's really driven by the main character and this book isn't like that in the same way it's really i would say driven by the idea and the setting more than anything else and and the villain mm-hmm a lot of good thrillers are driven by the villain and how yeah. the um how the hero or heroes react to what the villain is doing. That's that's pretty it's pretty classic trope in thrillers it seems like. Right, it makes sense. It's a lot of thrillers are based on that and they the villain has some huge plan and uh he or she is really the one pushing things and the 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 hero's got to react. Mhm. Mm so does does for what it sounds like the book theme kind of sounds like it relates to the dangers of technology does that sound right or or did you take something else away from it i would say yeah not just not quite the dangers maybe more um the inevitability um of the continued expansion of technology and the potential for you have the potential for bad things to happen if it ends up unregulated. Um, also, one of the themes is just the magic of space ex exploration and why humans are captivated by that, which I think people have been and really still are, the kind of the, the magic of what's out there or what could be out there that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. So that's theme that a lot of the characters at different times are kind of they're the first humans to travel this deep into space they're the first humans to mine an asteroid so the magic of that and that potential 
kind of got to me. I think for people who read a ton of sci-fi, it might not be as unique to them. Um, but since I read mostly thrillers set in the modern present world of crime and cops and things like that, uh, that really got to me just to be reminded of how much is out there that we don't know. And that's reflected through the characters really well, I would say. Mm -hmm. You've, you know, I see a lot of, um, I was just thinking about sci-fi and thrillers and we see a, a lot of, a lot of thriller stuff that has touches of sci-fi that you wouldn't even really think of it as sci-fi, like James Bond and his gadgets. Um, yeah. Or the Mission Impossible uh, movies, especially, because they always have kind of, they have technology in those movies that we certainly don't have now, but there's not, they're not futuristic, but we just sort of assume that it's okay for Ethan Hunt to have the, uh, um, I don't, I, I can't think of anything that wouldn't be a spoiler, but like in the most recent movie where they had the, like face swapping technology in that Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I think you're right about all that. I think there's a lot of thrillers have a kind of, you definitely wouldn't call them sci-fi, but they, they, borrow liberally from kind of near future sci-fi possibilities mm -hmm. i would say even some of my own books you know they involve when you're talking about modern politics and technology and media there's a lot of hacking involved there's a lot of computer stuff involved a lot of uh, social media things involved and um it's all pretty much true the stuff i use in my books but a lot of it you know i take a little bit of uh leeway with in ways that are kind of similar. Here's here's the way the technology might go, and I'm just going to say that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's a borrowing from sci-fi while I think appealing to people who who aren't in into sci-fi in general. And uh, a little, you know, a pro tip that I'm sure you already know: if you make it vague enough, people can't complain about it. That's probably true. I think, uh, yeah, I've noticed in some of my books. I, I try to make the technology really clear and, and, and precise. And the people who really know technology get annoyed if you get something a little bit wrong. Mm -hmm. And the people who don't know about technology mostly don't care. Yeah. Uh, they, don't, they don't really care if the hacking is described entirely accurately. They want to know what the result of it was. So that's always an interesting balance to try to strike, how vague to be about it. Yeah, you know, my um, my father was a doctor, and, and growing up with him, whenever we would watch something on TV together, if any time there was a medical scene on a TV show, he would always laugh, you know, because they, they never got it right. Yeah. And, and I, I, I thought, you know, do they, what, what do they owe to the accuracy of it? Because most people in the world are not doctors. You know, most right. people watching the show are probably not going to have any idea the inaccuracies of it, but... I don't know. Some, um, you know, sometimes it's certainly worth putting out that extra effort to make, to to get to get the accuracy of the terminology and the accuracy of the procedures. It's and interesting. It, it's really true. It's it's really true of technology too. I've got a book, my third book called The Mockingbird Drive. The central mystery is around this very old disc pack from an old computer uh, that's fifty years old. Uh, the mm -hmm. original computers that took up a whole room, and there's a disc pack. Uh, which is similar to what we would call a hard drive. And so I have one of the characters refer to it as a hard drive early in the book when technically it's a disc pack, which is a bunch of floppy disks all contained in a you know plastic container together. Mm. And I get emails about that than I've gotten about anything else in my books from older, mostly guys who say, you're an idiot, you called it a hard drive, it's a disc pack, no <laughs> such thing as a hard drive in that year. Uh, IBM didn't make a hard drive then, blah, blah, blah. 
prefer to call it a hard drive, but described as a disk pattern. But yeah, those little things, and most readers don't care, but the ones who care really care. And it, mm. make, it makes some sense. I mean, that's people like, uh, they like to see you get stuff right that they know about. So I actually try to be really careful about that when I can. Yeah. Same with weapons. You get weapons really wrong and you're going to hear about it as a thriller author. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I know that one firsthand. Um, so AC, what, what book of yours do you want to tell us about today? Well, I thought I'd tell about um, my Ameritocracy series. This is the first one here. It's called Open Primary. I guess your podcast listeners won't, won't be able to see that, but your video viewers will. Uh, this is a book about uh, a woman, and it's actually three books, Open Primary, Off Message, and Echo Chamber, about a woman who's trying to upend the two-party political system using technology. So she uses an online platform to have an open primary uh, in the 2020 election. So she's going to essentially try to uh, work outside the two-party system and allow anyone to run for president on her web-based platform. So imagine it's like American Idol meets the West Wing or something like that. So it's a book for political thriller junkies, but then it brings, of course, social media technology and politics together in what turns out to be kind of three quarters political thriller, maybe one quarter crazy satire because you can't write about the modern political climate without it just getting really weird. Um, and so it's not about our current exact political moment, but the technology and the social media and the kind of reality show aspect of what we have now is all reflected in these books. And so there's something a little bit different there um, and they take place in 2019 and 2020, and they're all about this election that we're currently starting, this election cycle, kind of getting blown up by this woman's uh, crazy idea that, of course, takes off in various ways. And I won't spoil it, but it's a fun series. A lot of my older readers love it. Um, the people who are a little sick of politics are kind of steering clear of this series, <laughs> but I'm hoping it will get a revival now that we're kind of in the political season again. You know, it's not it's not political in the sense that I try to tell you what to think about politics. It's not like that. It's just the big political storylines. And it's got all sorts of crazy characters who are very much of the modern American moment, um, mm -hmm. all political persuasions from, you know, communists to far right crazies to, you know, um, moderate types to uh, spiritual teachers like Marianne Williamson. There's one of those in this book who a lot of people are actually writing me saying, hey, wait a second, you predicted Marianne Williamson in your book because there's a character who's a lot like her. And I wrote these a couple of years ago. Um, so there's all sorts of interesting characters who come onto the political stage. And it's a fun series. And yeah, Marianne Williamson is an interesting cat. That's all I'll say about it. Um... Yeah. And, um, and there's a character, if you read Open Primary, who's quite a bit like her, who's one of the candidates who registers for president um, and is not taken especially seriously for pr pretty obvious reasons, I guess. Well, I got to say, American Idol meets the West Wing is a killer logline. I, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, that's I think it's confused some people because uh -huh. you can't, yeah, those would go together. But um, I wanted to get it's politics, but it's the reality show political world that we live in, you know, squared, basically. And uh, yeah. so I, I appreciate that. It's a fun series. And um, a lot of my readers think it's my best, my best work. Yeah, it sounds interesting. So that was the Ameritocracy series. There's currently three books in it, Open Primary, Off Message, and Echo Chamber. Is it just a trilogy or are you working on more books in that series? It's a trilogy as of right now. I have three more books loosely planned and I don't know when those will 
be out yet. I've got some other things I need to get out first, but the trilogy is a complete, really completes the story. And, mm -hmm. and yep. it's really, there's not more books needed in the series, but there's three more books I want to write to continue the story, but it's complete as is. Gotcha. Okay. And the book that your favorite thriller, at least your favorite thriller of this year, not to make you pick one of your entire life, <laughs> was Delta V by Daniel Suarez. And you are AC Fuller. And thank you for coming on the show today, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Your Favorite Thriller podcast. I'm Jim Heskett, and if you want to support the show, please rate and review it online and tell a friend who loves thriller books. See you next time.